Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Yeah, what up, Detroit? Nuh-uh, nuh-uh, no, he didn't. Uh-huh. They didn't do it again. What? 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 You shit on these niggas two times, Dr. Dre? Oh, for sure. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nah. You smell that? This is special right here. What? 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 Yeah. What? It's a toast to the boogie, baby. Welcome back. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I am here with Ron Saw from Eden Prairie. Katie is joining us. She joined us about two months ago. She's back. And Brian McKinney tonight. Uh, Sally is off. We're going to get into all the current Viking stuff, the apropos stuff. We're going to talk about Dalvin Cook's injury, the loss to the 49ers, Mike Zimmer's status as coach. And all of those items, uh, just a typical analysis show. That is what we have on the docket. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, lines are uh, available than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code. F, excuse me, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, Believe 50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. We have a plethora of Vikings topics tonight with, with the panel. Uh, the first thing I want to I chat about is the notion – uh, about Kirk Cousins and his performance relation in relationship to the Vikings. And I'll start with you, Ron. So for the for about three or four seasons now, the the quip or the dialogue that circulates is that Kirk Cousins needs everything to be perfect for the Vikings to win. But now it seems in this season that Kirk Cousins needs to be perfect for the Vikings to win. It's like the complete opposite of what the the narrative has been. And I can't I never understood it to begin with, but it seems like if he isn't flawless, then there's just no chance that a game is going to go well. We rely on him late in the game, as we should, to bring us back. And when he doesn't quite do it, uh, he gets savaged and it's it's the sky is falling. So <laughs> tell me, what is the deal with, with that scenario? Well, I mean, that's kind of been the case that what we've needed this year when things haven't gone well around him, he's needed to elevate his game and play well. Um, now, ironically, like I, I would like to say Sunday's game was probably the worst game I've seen Kirk play in the sense that like he's had bad games where he's thrown picks and whatnot. But he just looked off like that two point conversion where it fell, you know, yards short of Jefferson, um, the not reading the the linebacker on that drop, like thinking he's going out to the flat. Like he doesn't make throws like that. Usually, you know, if he makes a mistake, it's, um, you know, something else is there to explain. Either he didn't see something, but he just had an off game altogether. And we still only lost by eight with a chance to at least be there at the end. Um, so. While, you know, again, when you get run on for 200 yards, like Brian, you were part of that offense with Adrian Peterson, um, you know, and people knew he was getting the ball and they still couldn't stop it. But now I've never played, well, I've never played football for anyways, but uh, in watching all the football, it has to be, be frustrating. Like we know when Debo Samuels in the backfield that they're going to run it outside 
but why can't we stop it or what's going on? I know Trent Williams is a monster out there, but um, like there has to be something that has to give. And Kirk is in that mold, especially on Twitter and everything where people don't like him. whether like there's no gray area. It's either you like him or you don't like, but they can't just say, Oh, he had a bad game and we lost. Damn it. That sucks. It's well, now it's on Kirk. And he literally every game this year, if it weren't for him, we'd, might not have a win. Um, I mean, if we had Case Keenum, we probably wouldn't have a win, although everyone thinks we'd be 13 and three. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It is weird how the narrative has flipped because he has been playing well, but he his his uh, good play may have masked some of the deficiencies on the rest of the team. Namely, I mean, when we're without our full D-line, um, all backups, that's going to hurt. But um, we still only lost by eight. And he played, like I said, probably his worst game of the year. So even uh, a average Kirk uh, probably could have gotten us uh, a better result there. But um, I've kind of gotten just sick of the debate on, you know, the, you, it, I'm not even going to mention names, but there's those names that come to mind that after Vikings lost, they want to, something has to be said about Kirk. Can't just be that he had a bad game um, or someone else had a bad game. It's, it's always Kirk. So yeah, it's, I'll always stand for it too because, or you know, stand up for him because the numbers are what they are, and he plays well. Um, but he's entitled to have a bad game. Lamar Jackson, I know Dustin, you you were pointing to it like four interceptions, and they still won the game. So, but yeah. is he is he a bad player? No, no, not at all. And he he's been doing that all year, and he it's just completely masked that Lamar is having kind of a down year because they're winning, and it's like they their defense is playing well. <laughs> And they're masking it. Hey, Bryant, how much of onus when you were playing did you put on the quarterback position? It seems like increasingly each year it's such a quarterback-driven like conversation about football. Is that the way you used to feel? I mean, I always thought uh, for the most part it was always a quarterback-driven thing just because um, it's the scene one, you know, everybody highlighted the quarterback. And mm-hmm. I think also like a lot of it always fell back on the quarterback. So I always felt like the quarterback – was a position where good or bad, they are going to like, you know, have to do the interviews and take the brunt of a lot of things. Katie, on the, the notion that Cousins needs everything perfect to win, and now it seems to he needs to personally be perfect for the Vikings to win. Do you disagree with that assessment? No, I think it's a more fair assessment than always putting all of the blame on Kirk. I mean, to Ron's point, Kirk probably had his worst game so far this season, and we we didn't lose by all that much, which is also the story of this season. But there's it's a team sport, and everybody has to do their part, and it seems like every single week the offense does what they need to do, and Kirk does what he needs to do, and then we end up behind again. And then we go and we do these last-minute game-winning drives or attempt to game-winning drives. And it doesn't matter if at the end of the day we lose in overtime or if we can't get one more touchdown to overcome the 200 yards that they ran against us or whatever. At the end of the day, somebody's always blaming Kirk. And it doesn't feel it doesn't feel fair as far as blaming him talent-wise. It might be fair blaming him paycheck-wise. I mean, quarterbacks make the big money, so they got to take some of the big blame. But it just seems awfully... Um, one-sided in the case of Kirk Cousins. I mean, it's, I don't know why he's so polarizing. I can't really wrap my head around it, but people have already made up their mind. And I don't think mm-hmm. there's really anything he could go win the Super Bowl and the people who hate him are still going to hate him at the end of the day. 
Right. If he does, it's going to be, well, that's because uh, the defense did it. You know, it was Trent Dilfer like, or, you know, something. Um, He'll never get credit one way or another. Yeah. I've tried to figure this out as much time as I spend tweeting about him or, you know, making, making my name somewhat prominent in the Vikings community based on him. And I, I always come back to the contract, like Katie said, so I get that, that he's paid to be in that top six tier. And he really is about five spots short of that. And other than that, I just don't I don't know if it's the way his name rolls off your tongue. I just, I've never understood what it is. Like for instance, last year when the Texans went four and 12, nobody cared. It was, it was poor guy, Sean Watson before his shenanigans, poor guy. And then even this year with Russell Wilson, they're three and eight. Is that what, and nobody cares. It's like, Oh, he's going to have to give him another wish list of what team he wants to go to poor guy. <laughs> I don't get it. How quarterback wins are applied to, to certain people. And, then, and Stafford's a perfect example. Like people yeah. are still acting like he's this God when really him and Kirk are the same player. They, they stats wise, you can dice it down. They are, but Oh, he spent his time in Detroit. This the dysfunctional organization. Well, Kirk's first few years were in Washington, which is even probably more dysfunctional than Detroit. And like, it's just ridiculous. And then you look at Carson Wentz in Indy when I think Frank Reich is an idiot because look at the last drive um, when they finally gave the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Like they went down and scored, but mm-hmm. no, let's put the ball in Wentz's hands, let him throw four interceptions. And, uh, you know, they were up 24 to 14 or whatever it is. And um, I mean, like, but Wentz never gets thrown under the bus and he's making more than Kirk. And, yeah. you know, Jared got <laughs> like all these guys, like it's, they, they're just deemed as not good but yet they're paid more than Kirk and Kirk <laughs> is substantially better than that. So um, I think our fan base is just, it, it's almost a little toxic in a lot of ways because, and it's not like we're the Packers where we've had 40 years of great quarterback play. We've, you know, Brian, in your time, how many quarterbacks did you play with alone? And we went from not being able to draft and develop, you know, Tavares um, was a guy that was drafted. Yeah. Like, and we, you, we went through old guys, Brett brought in Brett Favre to make the run, but then through ponder. So all of a sudden we get a good one and it's not good enough because apparently everyone on Twitter is writing the checks personally to Kirk. So I think, and you think it would be the other way around since cousins was drafting the fourth round 2012 and Stafford's drafting the very first overall pick of 2009. You think it would be the other way around where cousins is like, Oh wow, look at this diamond in the rough found in the fourth round. But it's the exact opposite. It's the poor guy Stafford. And I, I can't prove this. I'll never be able to do it. But I am certain that if somehow Cousins was the guy in in Los Angeles, the same thing would be happening. They would have these astounding games and moments where they look unstoppable. And then they'd have these turds, which they've had the last two weeks, because that's kind of what Stafford and Cousins author. And the sooner you accept it, the better you're going to be. I tweeted, uh, I think, Sunday or Monday that the way that I perceive cousins is he's about as good as Carson Palmer or Tony Romo. Those dudes, those dudes were never in a top three. They got certainly close and stretches of games, but they were never terrible. And there are, they're never, excuse me. They're never consistently terrible. There would be moments where you're like, Uh, but I think the fans, wherever he ends up or he stays here, you've got to decide, is this good enough for me as a fan to have a guy that's probably the 11th best quarterback in the league. And I think, I think the fans that don't like him believe that there is this, this phantom guy that's like 19 years old waiting to come to the Vikings. And it'd be great if we could do that. But when you swing and miss on that guy, it, it's guaranteed to set your franchise back by four seasons. Any first round pick will set you back that far. 
Uh, it's what happened with Trubisky. It's happened with Darnold. And you just have to give that guy time to grow. And then ultimately, when it doesn't work out, you start all over again. So uh, I've never proclaimed Cousins as elite, and I, I don't think he ever will be. He certainly has stretches that usually last three to four games where you're like, son of a gun, this guy, <clears throat> this guy's lights out. I don't, I don't understand how people don't see it. Um, but then, then we end up talking about it on shows like this when he has a bad game, like scratching our heads, like why doesn't he get the benefit of the doubt? Is it just because he has this dad persona and he's not a badass? I don't know what it is. Well, and Brian, I guess I, you kind of have like the perfect um, like way to compare because you played with Brett Favre in a team that you know should have you know again minus the bounty gate and everything should have won the super bowl and then you won one in baltimore and no one's ever going to put joe flacco on the realm of brett Favre as far as the talent um what was it like the differences that you saw because clearly again flacco had that historic run he was fantastic i'm not taking that away from him but overall he's been a good not great quarterback in his career but you guys overcame that and obviously a lot of pieces in place whether you yourself ray lewis ed reed you know your miami guys as well as others what was it about the the team structure that was set up to help you guys succeed in that environment, as opposed to kind of not Oh nine in general, but just your time with the Vikings. Uh, when we got to, um, well, in Baltimore, when we got to the playoffs that year, but the year before we, we lost um, in the AFC championship and we were able to make it back the following year being like 10 and six. <clears throat> and when we got there, like Ray Lewis made us like, as like sacrifice some things like being on social media, things like that. So we like started sacrificing these different things and really trying to just focus in on committing to one game at a time in these playoffs and, and really wanting to get back to that space. And I think because of the loss the year before, I think that helped a lot of people buy in and helped like people focus in more because it gave us a second chance and we kind of maximized on it. But you guys in the locker room, like it was never like we need um... – we need an elite quarterback to get over the hump. I mean, the last decade and change has shown if you have Tom Brady, you're going to be at least you have a chair you know, at the table. <laughs> if everybody went out there and won at their position, um, that should be a good good enough chance for you to you know to succeed in, in the football game. Is you go out there, you be the best at your position, and, and you win your you know you win the majority of your battles. I mean, that should give you enough, and you know eliminate your penalties. That should give you enough uh, space to win. It's almost like it's a team sport. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not, it's not just one-on-one out here. I, uh, <clears throat> another thing that confuses me, Ron, is the, I shudder to think how bad this current team would be without cousins. And then there are smart men and women on the opposite side that dream about how much better they'd be with Rogers or Mahomes, like this exact bunch. And I, it's like these this this just divide that we can never never mitigate, and it's 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 very flummoxing. Well, the other funny part about that you mentioned Rogers and Mahomes, like people will like downgrade what Cousins has done, but then their argument is comparing him. Well, Rogers does this, Brady does this. It's like you're comparing him now to one of the to the greatest in the league. Like so, either you're you can admit he's a good quarterback who's just not you might not think is good enough. Like I hate, hate this whole bullshit about, Oh, he doesn't pass my eye test. Like, you know what? Like, like people say that all the time. Well, I just don't see it. Like he has his faults. I will never sit here and say he's a perfect quarterback. His pocket presence could be better. His ability to ad lib could be better, but the things he does well, he does extremely well. And, but again, when people finally say that, well, yeah, but Rogers would do this. 
Rodgers is a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to ever play the game, and is still in his prime coming off an MVP year. So now you're going to try to compare him to to Rodgers, but then we're not going to throw out these comparisons with guys that are in his realm, whether it is the Staffords, whether it is, you know, I thought your Carson Palmer and Tony Romo comparison were perfect. Like Palmer for a time was one of those top three to five guys mm-hmm. with, you know, Manning, Brady, Breeze. He was in that group before all the injuries took place. But yeah, he, he never really, he was in Cincinnati and they, they were, uh, you know, they had Ocho Cinco and Hushmanzada at the time. But other than that, they had, I think, one playoff appearance. So, like for all, the, all these other guys, like you said, it wins and losses don't matter. But for some reason, it keeps getting tied to Kirk. Um, I know I sent you a screenshot of that Derek Carr stat from Mon- from that Sunday <laughs> oh, yeah. night game when when they like like what well, I don't even remember what it was where they said this is his record in these games, but this is the amount of points his team has allowed in that. Where the hell is that in Cousins games? That Rams game years ago on Thursday night, you yeah, know, 30, 35, 30, whatever it was. It's like, I mean, come on, like at least. At least compare apples to apples when you're looking at it. If you don't like them, just say you don't like them. I don't care. You don't need to like them. Kitty, uh, on Sunday in San Francisco, Dalvin Cook was stood up and driven back and looked like he had broken his collarbone or something. And it turns out that he tore his labrum. And there is uh, our head coach is being coy about what that truly means. I guess he's day to day. And I think the irrational fan believes what they're going to try to do is emulate 2019 in that if we reach the postseason, which we should, if we play like a competent team, then he'll be back. So I think they're going to slow roll it to figure out, Hey, is this team going to the postseason? In any event, in order to get to that postseason, they're going to have to improvise. So I want to know from you, we've seen this before too many times. Uh, what does a Dalvinless offense look like this go around? So I feel better about it this time than I have previous times. And that's partly because the last couple of games um, they've been letting Kirk air it out more. So we're finally utilizing our wide receivers as they should be used. Um, Madison's already shown a couple times this season that he's capable of starting and carrying that load if he has to. And then, you know, we've seen now some really exciting glimpses of Kenny out there, which I think if, we were to give him an opportunity and work him in, I think because he runs differently than um, kind of Madison and Cook do, it could provide some challenges for defenses to prepare for. So I'm not overly concerned. I do hope we rest Cook so that if we do make the playoffs, he's usable there. I mean, I have him on my fantasy bench right now with just assuming that we're not playing him this next weekend, but I'm not overly worried about it. I think, you know, our passing game is successful and Madison um, we've relied on him before. And now we have this new kind of fun, super speedy running back that we can hopefully maybe plug and play in there for some, I don't know, surprising plays here and there. So I don't think, I don't think they're going to have any other, unless they sign carry on Johnson or Brian Hill or somebody, I don't think they're going to have any other choice, but to, use in Wangu, even if they did the Zimmer thing and said, yeah, we're not going to use a rookie quite yet. Uh, I don't think they have a choice because they don't have Amir Abdallah and most football teams can't go an entire game with just a single RB one. So at the very, like out of necessity, and then we're going to have to see what Iwangu can do. And it would be cool if we can do some, we even what got lost in the shuffle of the, the mini debacle in San Francisco in the second half is that we did some creative stuff. There was a flea flicker and then there was the Jefferson pass and yeah. all of this stuff. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And then you forget about it on your drive home or you're going to bed that night because you're, you're focused on the, the 
Cousins interception and just the mistakes down the stretch, but they're getting there. And I think as they, so long as they target their playmakers, um, the next, the next three are winnable, but I will say, and I don't know, I can't remember if I put anything about the line. Yeah, I did. We'll, we'll get to this, but the lions, but if they do, if they find a way to, to lose this game, then I think, I think most reasonable fans are probably out on the excitement for the rest of the season because a, it would dip their playoff probability to 20 something percent and B it would be very embarrassing for you know, the lions to get off the schneid. So, Ron, tell me about the Dalvin Cookless Vikings this go round. How do you feel about it? Well, you know, it's it, Dalvin's elite of what he does. He's one of the top two or three backs in the league. So you're not going to replace him. But Madison has shown to Katie, Kate's point that he has um, proven he can handle the load. And he's kind of weird in the sense they mentioned it on the, on the radio earlier this week. Like he's kind of like the anti Tavares Jackson where Tavares, whenever he was starting, he didn't always play the greatest, but he came off the bench and he was lights out. And Madison's kind of the opposite when he starts a game, like he dominates, but when he comes in halfway through like that Seattle game last year, the fourth down, he kind of seems to struggle. So Whatever it is, like at least he's we know he's the starter. Um, and then also, yeah, with um, with Wang Wu, um, his speed and his size, like he's what six feet, 205 pounds, so he's not small, so he can take a pounding. But his ability in the open field, I'm not comparing him to Patterson at all, but having that return ability, um, you know, similar to what Patterson showed in his rookie year, you find ways to get him the ball. Um, you know, use him like the Niners use Debo Samuel, um, find different ways, use that creativity that we did see on Sunday. Um, and hopefully at least you can ride with, uh, letting Dalvin get healthy. So, uh, but yeah, I'm fully on board. Just letting Kirk kind of go out there and air it out and get both of our star receivers, 10 plus targets. And, um, you know, I mean, again, it's Jared Goff, so you don't expect him to, to light you up, but, uh, I mean, he did at, at the dome or not dome, at us bank stadium, uh, at the final couple minutes, but, uh, um, just play your game. Um, you know, the, the it, this would be a Vikings type game to let them get their first win. But, uh, um, you know, Brian, you have also played against an O and whatever lions team. Um, how do you get motivated for a game like that? Knowing that they're, uh, they're winless and you should roll them. But if you lose, that looks pretty bad. Get in interrupt for just a second to talk about Lightbox. Uh, say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the best, brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of Sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue as well as the classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make an outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add your sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Um, I mean, you go in there with the mindset of winning, but that could be a game that could be tricky and end up being closer than it's supposed to be. I feel like the last one was kind of like that too. But by them losing, I think they may take that little frustration out on, you know, on. Detroit and going there a little more fired up and eager to win. Do you, do you is that playing like if you throughout your preparation for the week or you're looking at standing, if you know a team's O and 10 like they are, do you say, oh shit, we can't be the team that loses to them? You think about that too, but I feel like also because um 
of the loss last week, you don't want to have you don't you don't want to have two in a row. So you go out there like, with a little more energy and try to uh, make sure that doesn't happen. So, so you got two different things going on. You have you don't want to be that team, you know, <laughs> that loses to them, but you also don't want to stack two row two uh, losses in a row. On Iwangu, uh, the thing that so when he was drafted, I don't watch any Iowa State football, and when he was drafted. And you, you hear, I knew the scouting report that his speed was this close to Tyreek Hill. And then in your mind, you think, oh, cool, we got this dude who's about 5'8", and he's going to be quick. But he, I mean, he's built like a, like a wide receiver. Like he's 6'1", 205 pounds. And so he's not a, a short stack whatsoever. He's the speed de- demon that's also a muscular. So in that regard, he's not like any Tyreek Hill or any any tiny punt returner from the past he's a he's a grown running back like like adrian almost and he's got that speed so we'll have to see if that translates into the offensive side i want to make a point of order and i usually say this and we, we've had this topic before because dalvin does does miss time from time to time is that kirk cousins usually plays a little bit more relaxed when there is no bell cow running back and i would for the record i'd rather have dalvin there every single game because he's that dynamic but it's kind of a throwback to what Cousins knows in Washington. He never had at all had a good running back in Washington in what he had three starting seasons there and a total of six seasons. Uh, you know, three of them were in reserve for RG3. But he never had a running back. So it's kind of like his bread and butter, just fling it out to Pierre Garcon. They're not fling out Jamison Crowder, Vernon Davis, and let the chips fall. Now, usually in Washington, that got him to about nine and seven. And the bar is a little bit higher around around here with what we used to have for defense and everything. But this is what Cousins does is he knows how to play without a dominant running back. And he knows how to get 4,000 yards per season and 30 touchdowns with, with garbage at running back. So I never have any fears for the offense when Dalvin is out. It's just uh, it's, it's the Lions thing that bugs me. And that's, that's our next topic is whether or not we have any fear about losing to the Lions. And on the whole, I do not. I think that we have... We've already seen, they already know what it feels like to win and have it not feel like a win against Detroit when they almost coughed it away at the bank and they had to have theatrics from, surprise, surprise, Cousins and Greg Joseph, who hit that long field goal to win the game that kind of just, for sadly for him, was like, whew, relief, rather than, oh, look what this this kicker did. He, he won the game for us. So I, I actually think this game, for once, the Vikings will go out and win commandingly and they haven't had a problem with Detroit in a long time. And I don't think it's going to start this Sunday. So I, I have the Vikings 38, 13, but with the rest of you, as I have my natural cynicism, it's like, Oh, what if we, what if we start <laughs> watching the first five minutes and they start, they fumble the opening kick and you we're off to the races with utility. Yeah. I'll always have that in a fear, but I, I'll have that fear if it's the 2019 rocking and rolling because uh, it's just ingrained in us. Katie, do you have fears about this Lions game, or do you think it's a quote-unquote easy win? I have fear. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's hear it. I just, you know, with the exception of the Seattle game, we could have easily won or lost any of those. They all were just way too close, including the Lions game at home. And frankly, that Seattle game is feeling less and less like an achievement every single week as far as a challenge. So I know we can win the same way we could have won last week, and it's not our offense that worries me. It's not not having Dalvin. It's our defense's ability to make somebody like Goff look really good. Mm-hmm. And that's where all of my anxiety lies. Now, I think we should win. On paper, in reality, every way you look at it, we absolutely should win. 
if, but if any team can lose to the Lions in a horrible fashion, it's this year's Vikings. Yeah, uh, amen. Uh, thanks for keeping it real. Mac, <laughs> do you think – now? whenever you and I have been pals for about a year and a half, and whenever we bring up the Lions, we laugh. So do you think the Vikings will snuff out the Lions, or do you think this one will be tight? Wasn't I think the last one was kind of tight, wasn't it? Very tight, too tight. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, I don't think this one would be as tight. I say just because I said uh, them trying to redeem themselves from last week, and I feel like they'll try to take it out on the Lions. So well, it shouldn't be as close as it was the last one. Like the last one, they were kind of like, "Oh, it's the Lions," you know what I'm saying? And then went in there, and the Lions like gave them a good fight. I think this time they're aware of the good fight from last time, and then they lost last week. I feel like they're going there with a better game plan and, and you know, it's a better outcome. Ron, tell me about your fears and then tell me, I presume you think they're going to win. Does that, let's say they win in my predictions, right? 38, 13. Will that make you go, okay, we're back. We're going to make the playoffs or do you need to see more? Well, so, well, first I'll, I'll get to the first part. So yeah, I, I kind of am right there with Katie, like it, kind of in between you and Katie, because I have no fear in the line or with the lions, but that fear, that voice is sitting there. Like the Vikings always find a way to find something new. Um, you know, again, we've seen it this year with the back-to-back timeouts and the penalty, the turnover by bar and calling a timeout because they're not ready to hit the field. Like all these stupid things keep happening to us. And uh, um, I'm sure there's other fan bases that have a lot of that type of feelings um but yes we are the team that could give the lions their first victory although i don't see it happening in any way uh deandre swift is unlikely to play and uh, you know jamal williams he's a good, good player but we at least are familiar with him like him being with the packers for you know all those years we know what he brings to the table um he may be just fine but the rest of it i'm not totally worried about it sounds like we're getting reinforcements back with michael pierce and dalvin tomlinson so that alone will help because now we just have more bodies up front. Um, so, and I don't expect Goff to, to go up and down the field on us. Um, so as far as where I'm at is with the season, like I'm still on the optimistic side, like losing at San Francisco again, like I said, when we lost at Baltimore, that is not anything like it's not something to be ashamed of. Like you go on the road and you lose to a pretty solid team. Now I would say San Francisco, probably isn't as good as six and five, like, cause again, Garoppolo can't throw outside of the numbers and there's a lot of other things <laughs> that are wrong there, but uh, Shanahan's a good coach. They have a good defense and they know how to run the football. Um, so the loss isn't, doesn't what bother me. It's how we lost. It's we lost by less than a touchdown and we played like crap, like with the interception, the fumble again, people like Oliudo, I don't know why, where, what happened to him. You know, he got pushed back cost us that fumble essentially, but that's neither here nor there. Hopefully he's not Dakota Dozier 2.0. Um, but we, we had our opportunities and we didn't capitalize. So the optimism is still there looking at the schedule going forward. And I think we'll get into it later, but you know, we're five and six right now. We're not in the playoffs, but Washington's not going to sustain. I mean, Taylor Heineke, great. All those people who love him uh, because he was one of us at one point um, you can, you throw him in the Kyle Slaughter pile and he's just not as good as what, uh, as, um, what it is. Um, again, Seattle isn't a good team right now. So, um, I'm not worried about them. I think we'll get into the playoffs. Our schedule lightens up, but we just had a five game stretch or 
whatever against teams that I think it was like 39 and 20 or something as their combined record. So all playoff teams. And we went two and three in that stretch, including beating the Packers. So um, while there's frustrations in what has happened, you should be able to look forward and be like, this is a pretty good football team that has its faults, but that's why they're not going to be a division winner. They're going to be a potential wildcard team. The <clears throat> I was there at the 49ers game and I got optimistic when they were hanging tough and, you know, trading haymakers in the first half and cousins was actually good in the first half. It was the second half that was mind numbing. Um, but they, we were going on the road and the Vikings never do well on the West coast. We were, we have one of the worst run defenses in the league. For some reason we're playing against a run offense mastermind savant and we don't have the starting defensive line. So I was actually, even for me, surprised by the reaction from fans, the, the doomsdayism, because didn't really ever feel like to me they were going to win the game. I mean, I, I spent a lot of money to get out there expecting them to lose. Um, I was still entertained, and I, there was a puncher's chance there until the turnovers started that they were going to actually win. But I, I didn't go into panic mode because I wasn't expecting to win. And I, I don't think you, the listener, should have either. Unless the thing that would have been cool, though, is if they would have won, then you're like, wow, three in a row. This is this is what we've been waiting for from this roster. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. So now we're back to where we were, what, three, three weeks ago. Maybe we're good. Maybe we're not. Maybe we'll get to the playoffs and make some noise in this weird NFL season. Maybe we're going to be eight and nine and get a new head coach. That's that's kind of where we're, we're vacillating. But I want everybody. This is a, a mini stat that I want everybody to take notice of with the Zimmer version of the Vikings. However long he remains the coach, in about the middle of the second quarter or the middle of the third quarter, if you pull out your telephone and you look at the ESPN app, and the other team has this massive time of possession advantage, like by eight, nine, ten minutes, the Vikings will not win that football game. It's like clockwork. Now, most football teams don't do well with an upside down time possession, but the way that this team is constructed, they are flat out bad when they get beat in time of possession by more than eight or nine minutes. And it's the inverse. When they have that, it's almost like clockwork that they're going to win. So keep an eye on that. They just don't really have it in them for the defense to remain um, like just active or not tired. It's like as soon as the other team continues to possess the ball, you can, you can, that's it. So keep that in mind because it's something I always check. And when I looked at my, my phone at uh, Levi stadium, and I think it was 11 minutes in the third quarter altogether in favor of San Francisco, I was like, Oh God, you know, cause I hadn't even really felt that way because they were, they were scoring relatively quick, quickly with uh, the kickoff return and everything. Well, and you know, like part of that um, one thing that we didn't really mention about that game is the, the inability to stop a team going into half. Like, again, that's been our Achilles heel all year long. But we, instead of going up, even if you hold them to a field goal, um, what it would have been 14-10 instead of being tied, now, you know, they do the classic Bill Belichick, score before halftime, get the ball, go down and score. Um, and then the turnovers then just amplify that even more. But if, if there's anything, that's the frustrating thing because it's like, what is it? And again, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. It wasn't Peyton Manning. It wasn't uh, <laughs> It wasn't Tom Brady. It's let him throw it or let him throw to the outside because he can't. I, I can see that from my couch watching any 49ers game. Jimmy Garoppolo does not want to throw outside of the hash marks. Why Mike Zimmer, All this is my frustrations with Zimmer building. Why do you let him have the open field and just because, oh, the sidelines, like they have a timeout, 
make him throw to the outside. Like Kittle's in the on the inside, Ayuk's on the inside. Samuel is a good wide receiver, but he's a better running back, it seems. Um, I don't understand why they were able to go down the field and just score on us. And that that's just frustrating. And if you take that away and it's a completely different game. It's beyond frustrating, man. If you took the two minutes of the half away from every game we've played so far this year, like if we could fix that two-minute defense, I mean, this would be a completely different podcast. We'd be like, we're going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Nobody can stop us. And it's it seems, and I think it just gets more and more frustrating every week because we can predict it. We're like, oh, here's the two-minute warning. Here's where we blow it. (laughs) And and then sure enough, they make us all, you know, fact tellers afterwards by doing exactly that. And it's like just fix that portion, fix the two minute defense, whatever we're doing wrong. We have a defensive minded coach. We have with two DCs with all of these people. Can nobody figure out what's wrong Right. Even with our injuries? We have talent and these injuries haven't, didn't start at the beginning of the season. Yep. So sorry. And I digress. It seems like that- they play completely different in the two minutes. Like again, yeah, the, that drive where Harrison got the pick, like he was in the middle of the field because that's where Garoppolo wants to go. The rest of the game, he wasn't in the middle of the field. Why? Like, Brian, I don't know if you've seen the stats, but the Vikings have allowed 66 points in the last two minutes of the first half. That's a touchdown every goddamn game. Like, how – that's got to be just – that's got to be a record. Yeah, it has to be. Let's just say it is. They used to be good (laughs) at this. That's the the mind-boggling part is that along with the rest of the defense and all the metrics – dating back to definitely 27, well, dating back 15, 16, 17, 18, and then some of 19. It's like it's progressively gotten worse as the uh, the Cousins era has gone along for some godforsaken reason. But they used to be great inside two minutes as a defense, and it's kind of tailed, well, it's tailed off to hell is where it's gone. Uh, let's see. Oh, and then on, and on Kittle, it's almost, he was so underwhelming in terms of his production, pass uh, catching production. It's almost like they, they game planned for him and that was it. Like, we're going to stop Kittle. That's how we beat the Niners. And it wasn't a good strategy because yeah. uh, Mitchell and Debo got the best of them. All right, uh, Brian, I want to ask you. So we talked about this topic last year at this time, and we're back on it. Uh, the hot seat for Mike Zimmer is definitely the hottest it's been in his uh, tenure here this year. And I want to know from you, what do you think, what does he need to do to remain the Vikings head coach? Do you think he needs to win a game in the playoffs, win two games in the playoffs? Uh, do you think a getting to the playoffs and losing gets some canned or how, how much longer do you think he has BMAC? I think it's time starting to take. And I, I think because the defense has been like the struggling point and he's been like a defensive guy. So I think people are kind of getting over it and ready to move on from that. Um, he definitely should at least want to win a try to win a, a game in the playoffs because getting there and losing the first round is like whatever. But the defense really needs to turn around because I feel like every time you think of him, you think of the defense, and the defense just hasn't really been that productive to me the past two seasons. And um, I last year I thought you know maybe because of COVID, but this year is like I don't know. And some people came back to the team this year yeah. as well. And it's just like, I don't understand why they just can't really get over the hump. Because actually the offense is actually improved. So now you need <laughs> the defense to kind of do the same. So by him being a defensive-minded guy, it's like, well, what, what's missing? What's going on? What, what are the um, guys on the side of that ball not getting? Because it's actually been actually very exciting. And all the games have been extremely close. But like you say, two-minute drill is like that's not being taken care of. And then even to come down to – 
the last four minutes of, you know, the games in the fourth quarter, I realized too, it was like the, the Vikings are up a lot of these games, like every game going to the halftime and just different things. It's just like, we can't close it out for some reason. So that's a big deal. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on that train about uh, the defense part. So in a, in a league that has trended offensively prone and advantageous in terms of the rules, We've hung our hat along with other teams on a defense coach, and that's fine. That's great. But if the defense coach isn't coaching a good defense anymore, then there's no sense in sticking to your guns and relying on offense. You might as well join the crowd and focus on offense and then just get a damn good D coordinator. And I think that's that's the way it's headed. I, I, it's such a mystery to me why this defense up until the last two weeks was pretty good outside of those collapse moments like – it wasn't awful. Like it felt like it was miserable all of last year. And it, it hasn't really felt like that this year. The run defense is suspect, even worse than suspect. But I think that is the, the frustration. And I, I really do think I still have hope because the season is so strange and there's no guaranteed Super Bowl Mahomes team that's going to be there at the end. It's so wide open. I still have this weird optimism that, that they can get hot and be a team that gets all the way to the conference championship and then sees what happens. But that's just the hope. What I really do feel will happen is they'll find a way to get the seventh seed. They'll go on the road to Green Bay or Tampa Bay, and they'll play exactly like they did against the 49ers, where they give you hope in the first half. There's some dumb mistakes. Boom, the season's over. And then that event, I think that I, I don't think Spielman will go, but I do think Zimmer will. And I think they will find a coach that can win with Cousins at least on the remainder last year of his deal, or maybe even extend him an extra year to alleviate some of that cap pain. Um, but I, I I do think that this probably is the march to the end of Zimmer, unless they pull a rabbit out of the hat, and you know, in which case he would deserve credit. So uh, one of the I got two or three more for the group. And Katie, I want to ask you: Do you think on that topic that the Vikings will reach the postseason? Uh, yeah, I have high hopes that we will. Um, we certainly can. Um, I think we'd a lot of things, I think more things would have to go wrong than right for us not to make it at this point. Um, how far we'll make it though, is a big question mark. I hope we make a deep run. I hope we win the whole thing. I, <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath for it, but um, I do think we will at least make the wild card. And what happens? Yeah. I'm, can't even begin to predict that. I bet you it's super close. I bet you they score on us in the last two minutes of the first half, and it comes down to a kick at the end. Oh, yeah? <laughs> but I will not predict a win. Um, and either way, I think unless it's unless we go really deep in the playoffs, I think Zimmer's out this year. Okay. Ron, year. Ron, what's your thought on the Zimmer perspective, and do you think the team will reach the playoffs? I think the team will make the playoffs. Um, you know, the sixth and seventh seed are both attainable. Uh, we obviously lost the tiebreaker now to San Fran, but uh, um, I'm sure their schedule that will have the Rams and uh, and Cardinals on that um, coming up at some point. So they'll have a tougher schedule, I would assume, than we do. Um, but uh, I think Zimmer's fate. It's um, I, I at the beginning of the season, I said, I think he needs to win or make to the playoffs and win two games, like assuming not having the buy uh, to win two games to keep his job. But I think he needs to, I think it's a Super Bowl appearance or, or not um, for him. Um, I think there's been too many frustrations um, and 
you know, unless you get getting to the conference championship, if you lay an egg like they did, um, you know, in <laughs> Philly and um, I don't, I just don't think that's enough. Um, nor do I, I think it might be a two way street. I don't know if he would think that's enough. Like what else was, is he going to, is he going to come back and fight the same battle again next year? Um, you know, with assuming the same quarterback and everything, he's not going to be here for a rebuild. I mean, he's too old for that. Um, he's got his model girlfriend that, you know, he can, he can go spend his time with. Um, but I don't, see him you know in a Justin Fields type situation wanting to like he doesn't want a a quarterback to turn the ball over like that's what he so the last thing he wants is a rookie to come in and even Trevor Lawrence all the potential he has he doesn't want a guy that's gonna not understand the position um, of quarterback as of yet so um, but I think he will be gone either way just because I don't see us making that run Um, while obviously I'll be hoping for it every every Sunday um, I do see us as one of those teams that will be a tough out because we have, there's too much talent on this offense. And if we can get healthy on defense, get these guys back, um, you know, with Tomlinson Pierce, um, you know, Barr, um, who seems to always be out nowadays, but uh, we're not going to be a team that people want to play in the playoffs. So, um, but we'll find a way to shoot ourselves in the foot as we're one to do. Um, Ole Udo will get pushed back into Kirk and a fumble will be returned for a touchdown. Um, and then Kirk will be blamed. Well, why didn't you um, tell Ole Udo to get in the weight room um, or something? So um, sorry, Udo has become my new, uh, my new <laughs> beating stick, but um, I will say this. Um, Rashad Breland has turned his game around ever since I like not, saying he's heard me rip him but everyone else has um but he wasn't playing well to start the season he's actually been playing other than he can't catch the ball like balls hit him in the hand and he just can't catch it but uh he's i will say uh he's been playing extremely well as of late so kudos to him you think if they got to the nfc championship like in tampa and lost 27 24 that zimmer would be gone i I let's put it this way i think that if he got that far I don't think he, I think he might hang it up. Oh, I see. Um, if he got that close and lost, I just don't, I think it would take too much out of him. I think there's too much that, um, you know, like, well, if I couldn't get it, like, I just don't, there's too much that's not going to be changing the following year where this year has to be stressful on him. If it's stressful for us as fans, imagine being, you know, <laughs> being in his position. Uh, like every, like if I, was checking my blood pressure every game. Like it would be through the roof at times because, and it'd be just up and down. Like I'm on a Peloton, but uh, um, yeah, I just, that, that's just my opinion. The way I see it, it just doesn't seem like he has the passion that he once did. Um, but again, if he, if he wins it, you know, maybe he wins it and goes out on top um, <laughs> and then everyone will love him. Like, wouldn't that be the perfect oh, thing? God, like, yeah. He'd be re- <laughs> revered. Oh yeah. Uh, Build a statue now. B Mac, will the Vikings make the playoffs? I think they have a chance to make a wild card. Um, they just have to just really try their best to try to win out the rest of these games. Yeah, that's this is finally the the relaxing part of their schedule comparative to what they've played. Uh, I don't think they're going to march in and win three straight games because they're badass or anything. I just think that outside of Detroit, what? two months ago now and Seattle. We didn't know at the time. Those are like the only two teams that we've played that are not in the mix at all for the postseason. Every single game we've played is against a, a content playoff contending team. 
And that's what, that's another thing that gives me this little ounce of hope is that if we if we do get in the dance, we've already got the job resume, baby. The, the, every single one of these games is a playoff game based on the rosters and coaching staffs that we're going up against. So that gives me uh, that you know looking for sources of optimism to just have and then to write about and whatnot. I I do think that they'll be battle tested if they can find a way to get there. Well, let's think like you know Brian, your Super Bowl team gives me hope. Um, because you go in, you don't like, you don't need to be playing at the best entering, like, but you get hot and anything can happen. Um, so many Um, teams, something that can start like mid December and you just get in a rhythm. You got to keep riding that wave. No, if you check the calendar, we're getting there. (laughs) That'd be the perfect time. (laughs) Beat up on the lions, come home and play. Uh, we know that Steelers game is going to be tough. I mean, there's just no other way around it. I, there is when we get there, and I guess it's only about a week from right now. When we get to that game, I can guarantee you what I'll be saying is no matter what happens to them next week or this weekend, it's going to be that game is going to be tough. It's going to be Tomlin versus Zimmer, two old war horses. It'll feel when I'm driving up there, it'll feel like I'm going to watch defensive struggle. We shall see. I bet you Roethlisberger finds the fountain of youth for a night, and it, it, all like that game. We keep saying, you know, I keep saying it too, like on paper, this is the, the part of the schedule that gets a little bit more relaxing, but I know we're going to get the best version of the Steelers. There's no doubt in my mind. Okay. All right. The, the last thing that we'll talk about is uh, re- related to the same topic. If indeed we are in the final month of Zimmer's tenure, which would be eight years, um, eight years since we've really broached the topic of a, a coaching change, Katie, Give me a, a man or a woman that will replace Zimmer as the head coach. So, you know, aside from me coming in and Ted lassoing <laughs> the team, um, that- I would like to see somebody more offensively minded because that's kind of the way the league is going or has gone. Um, and if you can't tell from my tone, I'm fed up with our defense. So um, I would like for us to bring in somebody like um, Eric. Uh, Bianami. Yes, thank you. Bianami uh, from Kansas City to see what he can do. Give him a shot. I know that his name's been thrown around for a couple years now. Um, but, I mean, offensively, the Chiefs have been very good up until maybe recently with some issues. But see what he can't bring. Um, bring out a Kirk Cousins and the talent on the offensive side. And then, you know, hopefully, whether it's Patterson or Zimmer Jr. fixing what's going on on our defense and see where we go from there. All right, so we got one vote for Bienemy, Ron. And you, me. Yep. <laughs> Katie, yep, Katie, Coach Katie. <laughs> Ron, what do you got? What do you do you have a short list or you got a guy? Well, so I do have a short list and it seems to be getting shorter and shorter every time I kind of think about it. Um at the top of my list right now, I would say would be Joe Brady. Um, you know, he's the offensive coordinator in Carolina. Um, does a couple things. One, it um brings in Justin Jefferson's offensive coordinator from from LSU. Um, clearly that offense was very pro style. And I mean, look at the talent that they had in the NFL from those teams, um, even from, you know, Burrow, Allaire, um, Jamar Chase, uh, Terrace Marshall, like it's an NFL team and they went out and they dominated, put up the best, um, you know, collegiate season since 2001. <laughs> um, but uh, like they just ran that would be a guy that I think he's that young up and coming coach. Um, and what I like about him, he's not just making a jump from college to the, to the pros to be a head guy. He's had now a couple of years in Carolina 
with shit quarterback play um, with Sam Darnold, you know, and, uh, and you know, I guess Teddy did okay for them last year, uh, but they literally like paid a lot of money just to return back to cam. So paid a lot of money in drafts capital to get cam back. Um, but I would like to see him, you know, early 30 year old guy um, to take control of his offense um, with the weapons we have with Kirk cousins. Um, and then Britt, let Patterson remain the defensive guy. Um, I think Patterson is fully capable of doing that. Um, and obviously his, his uh, reputation of developing D linemen, like just look at the names, like it's there. So um, that would be the top of my list. The second one would be Byron Leftwich. Um, and that's just, I think he's paid his dues. He's uh, proven to be an offensive guy. Um, you know, going back to even before they got Tom Brady, like they at least had offenses that, were somewhat exciting like Mike Evans um you know even Cameron Brait like had some good seasons with them um so those would be my two guys um I'm a kind of a little dulling on the B enemy um just because maybe it's just the regression of the Chiefs offense overall this year like with all that talent out there so it's not anything he's done but maybe it's just a sour taste in my mouth from how they've performed as a team to where he might not be you know being in his 50s he might not be that guy that I would like to see um, come and take over. My vote is with Katie's it's for B enemy. And that's because the man has been passed over multiple times by multiple organizations. Nobody knows why it seems unfair. And he got his start with the Vikings at, at the pro level. And he helped polish Adrian Peterson, who arguably didn't need a whole lot of polishing. Um, and he was on team that BMAC coached. I don't know if, if, if you know, B enemy, do you know him? You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a he was a Vikings running back coach when I was here. Was he a pretty cool, dude? He was a, he was a pretty strict dude. <laughs> <laughs> they, they used to argue. I ran the AP into arguments a lot. Um, and Chester Taylor a little bit, but uh, I would definitely like to see him because I knew he had like a lot of structure and and rules, and he played as well. So I would like to see what he brings to the table. Yeah, I and I'll have to once the Zimmer thing gets more real, I'll dive in and look at all the candidates because we'll we'll, we'll know the players or the, the the hot options. But I think that one makes the most sense, mainly because he has the ties here. This is where he started, and if it seems almost poetic that he's had to wait this long that we get to a point where we're finally moving on from our eight-year tenured coach that, hey, let's let's bring him home and give him his first shot here because we've already given him his first shot. I think it would be almost like a Hallmark movie. So let, let's give that a shot. <clears throat> and he knows how, what it's like to have success in an offense, even though he's got one of the best quarterbacks already of all time. But I, I think that was, <clears throat> excuse me, that's my prediction. I'll have some, I'll have more of a list of wants as we get towards Christmas here. If, if this thing continues to be meh, six and seven, seven and eight, nine garbage, uh, BMAC, how, how different is it culture wise, or just walking into the building for the first time when there's a new head coach, is it a completely different vibe or because it's usually the same dudes, it's just a, a tweak. It doesn't, what does it feel like? It's a, it's a little different vibe because you're trying to, you want to get a fear for the new head coach. So you're kind of like, you know, everybody's, everybody's feeling the same way. Everybody's trying to get a feel for what type of coach this is. Like, is this going to be a real strict coach, laid back, players coach, like what type of coach? So everybody's trying to come in and get a feel for the energy um, of the coach. So, yeah, you first come in, you're just trying to pick up on energy. Okay. All right, Katie, any, any final thoughts from you tonight on Believe in Vikings? 
Uh, no final thoughts. I hope we win on Sunday and I'm totally wrong about any fear I have for that game. <laughs> Ron, any closing arguments from you, sir? Um, I guess the only thing I would say, um, and this is kind of going back to our initial uh, cousins talk, I guess we're defenders, I guess. Um, I, again, I'm all for criticizing players, but if we're going to start, if we're going to rip people and criticize players, don't let anyone off the hook. Like Dalvin fumbled twice in games now. Um, you know, one of which in Cincinnati cost us a chance to kick the field goal. Um, you know, Harrison's blown coverages at times. Like our elite players play bad at times. It's okay to call them out too. Let's not put it strictly on the quarterback every single time. Um, or if you're going to blame someone every single time, blame the coach, because there's a lot of things there that, uh, that are definitely coaching mistakes. Um, but let's not act like it's a one man team and it's all one person's uh, fault whenever things go wrong, because there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of faults that have happened this year. So um, that'll be my parting, uh, parting shot, I guess. <laughs> on, on that broadly theme, like let's hold everybody accountable. I also, I'll give my, my, my tiny little speech about, about rookies. Um, don't give up on rookies after a handful of games. <laughs> Everybody else, we tend to do we there. I think we declared this draft class a, bu- a bust because Darisaw hadn't played yet. No, we had rookie snaps were like nine on special yeah. teams and rookies, like almost everything else in your life takes time. And uh, I mean, so you see glimpses of it now with Bynum and Nwangu and never give up on a rookie until year three, unless he does something outlandish like Gladney. Uh, so that's, and I will, that one, that one, one, that one ticks me off is when, when a rookie has a bad game or a bad stretch and it's like, well, so-and-so screwed up by drafting this, this guy. It's like, wow, you got, you got to wait. This one was like an all timer because they weren't, hadn't even been on the field. It was already <laughs> like, well, they're done. They suck. Like Darisaw was nursing an injury and dude's been dominant since he's been in. Like, I mean, he went up against uh, Bosa, one of the best edges. And I mean, I know Bosa did get a sack on him, but he also put him on his ass a couple times. So yeah, just give it time. But, so we'll see. All right. We'll be back next week with a, a Steelers Eve episode because that is Thursday night football. And we will be talking to you guys on the night before. So that's all we got for tonight. And school Vikings. Somebody crowds me and Snoop draw his niggas from Crenshaw. From Long Beach to South Central. Not these niggas again. He's grown ass ignorant man with hair triggers again. You and what army could harm me? DRE and Shady with Doggy from Long Beach. He came a long way to making these songs play. It'll be a wrong move to stare me the wrong way. I got a long ooze and I carry it all day. Sometimes it's like a nightmare that's being Andre. But I Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.